I'll tell you something. As you develop the relationship desirous to gain the favor of the Most High, walking in obedience, hearkening to the instruction that He gives you, being diligent in your walk, in seeking His face, acknowledging Him in all your ways, trusting in Him, coming boldly into His presence, knowing who He is and that He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. When you can look at your life and know within your heart that you're doing everything within your own power and strength to be found pleasing in the presence and the sight of the Almighty, then you can become very specific in your requests, trusting that what you ask, He's going to grant you because of who you are. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Abraham's eldest servant is believed to be Eliezer, who ruled over all Abraham had, even though Abraham had two sons. Eliezer was Abraham's chief servant. He was born in Abraham's house. He was like a son to Abraham, was taught by Abraham to keep the way of Jehovah, and had been circumcised by Abraham. Abraham had faith that a wife for his son Isaac would come from amongst his kindred. Abraham had Eliezer swear an oath to Jehovah, the Elohim of heaven and earth, but released his servant from the oath if no one would come from there. Eliezer, being in charge of all of Abraham's goods, took what he needed and left for Mesopotamia and the city of Nahor. Today's study title is Abraham's Servant, Jehovah, and Rebekah. So, let's study. Well, we're going to jump right into this teaching tonight. I wanted to go through the whole chapter, but halfway through, I realized that if I try to go through this whole chapter, we'll probably be here till Sabbath. But instead, uh, we're going to go through almost, well, not even half of the chapter. And there's a lot of repeat in the chapter, but there's also a lot of lessons that I think we can glean from. So I'm just going to take my time and go through the first 28 verses of Genesis chapter 24. So in verse one, it says, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And Jehovah had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, the thing here is that it doesn't tell us uh, how old Abraham is, but I suspect that The happenings in Genesis chapter 23, where Sarah died and what's going on here in Genesis chapter 24 is not a a long span of time, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't tell us. And it says, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant. Now, Eleazar name is not mentioned in this chapter. In fact, it's only mentioned once as we're going to go and see back in Genesis chapter 15. And so when I named the title of the message, Eleazar, Jehovah and Rebecca, I could hear some of my former teachings, whereas, you know, stick to what is written. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you why I believe it's Eleazar that is being spoken here even though it's not mentioned that this is his name. And so it says, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house. And here's a clue that ruled over all that he had. So this servant ruled over all that Abraham had. And he says, put, I pray thee thy hand under my thigh. Now, Abraham's eldest servant, as I said, is believed to be Eleazar because he's the one who ruled over all Abraham had. And although Abraham had two sons, remember he had Ishmael 
but he had sent Ishmael away, although Ishmael wasn't too far gone because when Abraham dies, we're going to see that Ishmael is fully aware of Abraham's death and he and Isaac oversees Abraham's burial. And then there's Isaac. And so by this time, Isaac is older. He's probably in his 20s, 30s. We don't know. But he was not over Abraham's house. And so the question that I pose was, who was Eleazar and and what do we know about him? And so to answer that question, we've got to go back. And in Genesis chapter 15, we'll get some of this. One, he was the chief servant of Abraham in charge of his goods. Two, he was born in Abraham's house. Now, this is one of those pieces of information that is easily overlooked, but I'm going to show you why I put that there. He was like a son to Abraham. In fact, the King James uh, words that are used in the passage that I'm going to show you actually translates into a son. So he was like a son to Abraham and he was positioned to inherit everything Abraham had. In Genesis chapter 15, we read this, says, After these things, the word of Jehovah came unto Abraham, Abram, in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And at this point, now Abraham has got all kinds of stuff, and Father is saying, I am your shield, I'm, your, I'm the one who fights and protects you, and I'm also the one who rewards you. And so Abraham said, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward? Now, this word steward is the word we get ben. You'll hear some people say, you know, Yeshua, ben Yaakov, or David, ben Abraham, or individuals whose names are seemingly associated to their father's name. So it would be Yeshua son of Joseph. That word Ben translates into son and the word steward is the Hebrew word for Ben. So he's saying, and Abraham said, Jehovah, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And if we were to put that in context and the son of my house, the son of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And this word will fit because Abraham has already indicated that he is childless. So he doesn't have a child, but he has individuals born in his house. Look at the next verse, verse three. And Abraham said, behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And even, even that particular word there is also a word for son. And I, I wish I had taken the time to put the uh, Hebrew definition there. But for those of you who have the ability to check quickly, you'll see that that is what the word is actually indicating there. And so he says, one Born in my house is actually mine heir. And so you'll see that the word steward in this verse and the word born in this verse is the same Hebrew word. It's the word ben. And so he's saying, and seeing I go childless and the son of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, the son of my house is my heir. In other words, this person stands to inherit everything I own. Because I don't have a child of my own. And so we see that either Eleazar or his mom was from Damascus because he's going to be referred to as Eleazar of Damascus. But if he was born in Abraham's house, 
then we have to conclude that Abraham lived in Damascus when he was born, or his mom was from Damascus because he was born in Abraham's house. He couldn't have been born in Damascus and then bought by Abraham because he was born in his house. And by the time we get to the point where Abraham circumcises, father tells Abraham that all of his seed and those born in his house and those bought with money. So if Abraham bought servants, because remember now he went from Ur of the Chaldees up to Haran. After Terah died, he left Haran with Lot, Sarah, and all the souls he had acquired in Haran. So this suggests to me, because of the proximity of Haran and Damascus, which is in Syria, that this woman that brought forth Eleazar could have moved up to Haran, and there Abraham acquired her, or on his way from Haran, acquired her, But nevertheless, he or his mom was from Damascus. He was taught by Abraham. And Abraham, the Bible tells us, was chosen because he was going to teach his household. Abraham taught his household to keep the way of Jehovah. Eleazar had been circumcised by Abraham because he had been acquired before Abraham circumcised all the males in his house, and Eleazar, as being a part of Abraham's house, would have been circumcised along with all the males when Abraham and Ishmael were circumcised. And then Abraham now has Eleazar swear an oath to Jehovah, the Elohim of heaven and earth, as we see in the verse. And he says in verse 3, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the Elohim of heaven, and the Elohim of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Now, as we get further into the Torah, we're going to find that Jacob makes Joseph swear an oath also by putting his hand under his thigh, which seems to be something practiced among the people of Abraham. Uh, We won't get into that today, but he does something very similar. He makes Joseph swear that he will not leave his body in Egypt when they leave. And so Joseph makes sure that his father, Jacob, is buried in the land of Canaan. Abraham was introduced to this reign or this description or title of Jehovah by the most or Jehovah the Most High, from Melchizedek. Now, you remember when Abraham went and fought and retrieved Lot and all of the goods and all of the souls that those five kings had come and taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah and in the other two kingdoms. And when he retrieved them, he met this priest of the Most High, Melchizedek, in Genesis chapter 14. And this is what he said. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high Elohim. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high Elohim. And here's this word possessor of heaven and earth. So Abraham comes from a place where there is deities of every kind. There was much idolatry in the land that Abraham was called out of, which was one of the reasons why he called him out. We know that his father was a worshiper of idols. And so now Abraham is familiar with God's little G, but he hears this voice that he never really know who it is, but he believes in him. Because this voice speaks to Abraham, tell him to leave his father's house, leave his kindred, leave his country, and go to a land that he's going to show him. But at the time, it doesn't seem as if Abraham know who this entity is, but he know that he exists. And so Melchizedek now introduces Abraham to this Elohim who is the most high, 
the possessor of heaven and earth. He not only reigns in the earth, but he reigns in the heavens. And so at this particular point, Abraham begins to use this description of the most high. Jehovah had instructed Abraham to leave. Therefore, Abraham would not permit Isaac to be taken back amongst his kindred, but did not have issue with seeking a wife from amongst his kindred. And this says something about um, Abraham's kinfolk, but we're going to see that not only was they idol worshipers and ske- well, at least some of them were schemers, but it seems as if Abraham trusted the culture of the people and felt that if he was going to find a suitable wife for, for his son, then it had to come from among people who he knew their culture. Because remember, before they left her of the Chaldees, he had made Sarah go into an agreement that she would say that she is his sister. And the reason is because he didn't trust the people outside of his culture. He felt that they were wicked people, that they didn't have fear, that no fear of the Elohim. And so Sarah would tell everybody that she was his sister for fear that the people would kill Abraham and take Sarah because of her, her looks. Verse four, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, and here's something that I noticed in this, because if you notice Abraham's dealings, Abraham was quite specific when he dealt with individuals. And because this eldest servant was part of Abraham's people, if you would, he watched his master negotiate. He seemingly developed a relationship with his master's God. And so now Abraham is making him swear an oath. And Eleazar is making sure that before he enter into an agreement, he is fully aware of the agreement that he's entering into. So Abraham says to him, Here's what I need you to do. You need to make sure that this woman that you take as a wife for my son, she must not only come from my country, but she must come from my kinfolk. Don't just go to my country, but go to my country and then go to my kindred, my kinfolk, and from my kinfolk take a wife. So the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. In other words, what if I get all the way over there, I get to your folks' house in your country, and the woman says, I'm not going. I will marry him, but he's got to come here. (laughs) What if? Must I needs bring your son again unto the land? Because see, what's the goal? The goal is for Isaac to be married. But there's something else going on here that we won't see until the end of this chapter. One of the main reasons why Abraham at this particular point in Isaac's life want him to have a wife is because Isaac is grieving the loss of his mother. The woman in his life is dead. And he feels that the only person who can comfort him now that his mother is gone is his wife. This is something, brothers and sisters, the two most important women in a man's life is his mother and his wife. Now, it's a beautiful thing if those two get along. If those two don't get along, brother man's got some serious heartache. But Isaac doesn't have this issue because he's mourning and he's grieving the loss of his wife. I mean, his mother. But Abraham is also grieving and mourning the loss of his wife. 
And once he gets Isaac situated in chapter 25, and I'm jumping way ahead of myself, Abraham is going to get comfort for himself. So here he says, what if the woman don't come? Must I needs bring your son again unto the land from whence thou camest? Abraham, who had faith that a wife for his son would come from amongst his kindred, but then released his servant from the oath if no one would come from there. And so Abraham said unto him, beware. When the servant says, do I take the son back to your country? He says, no, beware thou that thou bring not my son there again. And here's why. Jehovah of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spoke unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed I will give this land. He shall send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife unto my son from there. And so Abraham is standing on the promises that the Almighty has made, and he has already seen the favor of the Most High, and so he has the expectation that this favor is going to continue as long as he has the favor of the Most High. And how do we gain the favor of the Most High? There's a difference between the grace of Jehovah and the favor of Jehovah, even though both equate to favor. One is unmerited, but the other one is earned. And how do we earn favor? Through obedience. Folks, that is a very simple concept. All you got to do is take it and apply it into any area of your life. As a parent, if you have children, the child that obey you is the child you're most likely to do whatever they ask. The child that disobey you, you're most likely to punish them. In fact, if a child is belligerent and continually disobedient, the desire now is to have that child removed from your house. The child that is obedient and compliant and respectful, that child can stay and go and come as long as he please. And this was the condition you'll see with Jehovah and the children of Israel. He put up with Israel's belligerence, stiff neck, hard-hearted rebellion for a long time. And then he ultimately had to cast them out. In fact, he raised up a violent people to come and take them out of the land that he had given them. Mr. and Mrs. Adam had one instruction. Don't eat from the tree. When they did, the grace of the Almighty had them removed instead of persecuted or executed. And so, the grace of the Almighty is unmerited, but we can gain favor. We can earn favor. And how do we earn favor from the Most High? By obeying what He says. There are too many rebellious children of the Most High. There are children who call God their Father but rebel against his commands. And they satisfy within themselves because of what somebody else said. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do those commandments because Jesus set us free from obeying the father who sent him. So get the concept. According to these rebellious children, so-called of Elohim, who believe in the one he sent, the concept is father sent his son to tell the people they don't have to do what he say do, just believe in the one he sent. <laughs> That's the lie religion has sold most of the people of God. And because it's an easy thing to accept, most Many receive it, and therefore, they don't experience the kind of favor that Father desires to place on his people. They experience the grace that keeps him from destroying them. They experience the grace that keeps him from bringing them into judgment before time. There's a difference between the grace of the Almighty 
and the favor of the Almighty. I'd much rather have his grace and favor than to simply settle for his grace. And so Abraham says, the one who promised me this land is going to go before you and he's going to reveal to you. Now, Abraham doesn't say this, but here's what he says. He shall send his angel before you. He shall send his angel before you. Now, this is a bold declaration for Abraham to make to his servant. That the one who promised me these things, because see, Abraham's got some things that he can bank on. He can bank on what father has spoke to him. He can bank on what father has told him. He said to him, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a seed. This seed is going to come from Sarah. This seed is going to be the promised one that I promise is going to come from your own loins. And because of him and through your seed, all the nations of the world is going to be blessed. But Abraham also knew that if father called him out of this country, then he can't let his son go back in because if his son goes back there, there's a chance that he will never come back to the land of promise. And so he says, he's going to send his angel before you and you need to take a wife from there. And if the woman will not be willing to follow you, then you shall be clear from this, my oath. Just don't take my son back there. And so Abraham and his servant had come to an understanding and therefore the servant could now swear by Jehovah to Abraham. And this is one of the things, brothers and sisters, when you are about to make a covenant or an agreement, you want to make sure that the covenant is understood. You want to make sure that the agreement is understood. If you're about to enter into a contract, you want to make sure that you know what you're coming in agreement with, which means that you have to at least be aware of the language. You have to be aware of the small print. <laughs> you can't come into a situation to where now you're having to defend a decision you made because you didn't understand the fullness of the contract or the covenant that you entered into. And many people don't understand the fullness of contracts and the fullness of covenants and so as a result, they end up breaking them. Genesis 24, 9. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning that matter. Eleazar, being in charge of all Abraham's good, took what he needed and left. And we're going to see here, at least I think I have it. If not, I'll just show it to you in the scriptures if I haven't. And the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed. And notice now, it says he took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master was in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Now, when Abraham left, actually Terah took Abraham and Lot. Terah had a couple of, he had three sons. He had Abraham. Haran and Nahor. Haran had passed. And so Lot, he took his son because Haran had died. So it appears that Nahor never left from Ur. And this is where the servant now is on his way. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening even the time that women go out to draw water. And in verse 12 says, Eleazar now is going to pray. He prays to Jehovah for good speed. And this is like for an encounter, for meeting. In other words, his prayer would be, I've come to this place, show me the one. And so he want to make sure that he meets the right person because he has the instruction, this person not only have to come from my country, but it has to come from my kindred. In verse 12, and he said, Jehovah Elohim of my master Abraham, I pray thee, 
Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master, Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And so what do you see here? Eleazar is specific in his prayer. He's about to ask specific. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to make our requests known. When you pray, you have to be specific in your prayer. And and here's where the difference between grace and favor can weigh heavy on a person. A person who doesn't feel worthy will most likely not be specific. A person who doesn't feel worthy is most likely to accept whatever is bestowed upon them. I've heard so many of the saints who believe that Father has bigger things to do other than to deal with their little issue. But here's what I found about Father is that if he's concerned about me, there's no issue that I have that is little. I don't have a little issue. And I'm going to tell you something else, that with all the people in the world, I know that Father has a lot of people to deal with. But at this moment, I am the only one. It's like, Father, I know you got all these people in the world, all your sons and daughters all around the world, that you need to attend to, but at this moment, I need you to attend to my need. I need you to attend to my issue. And it would be hard for a person to do that if they don't believe they've got favor with him. See, when you know you have favor then you can be bold in your request humbly. You can humbly be bold. It's like when you come to a place to where you know that you now are needed if you're in a job space. And this is why I say to people or have said to people, you want to be the best employee in the job. Because if the employer ever comes to a point to where they got to let somebody go, your name should never be on the list. You want to become so valuable to your place of, of employment to where the employer would feel they cannot afford to let you go. (laughs) That's favor. Favor puts you in a position to where now you can make requests. Now, the request by the favored is like a demand. (laughs) If I have favor in my place of employment, and I'm not one to waste my favor, when the boss see me coming and asking for something, he know it's not frivolous, or she know that I'm not one who's always asking, and when I do ask, it means something, you see. And so, Eleazar, Abraham doesn't just send any servant. He sends his eldest servant, the one that is in charge of his house, and then tells him specifically, Jehovah is going to show you, and this servant who have been trained underneath Abraham, go as a servant who has been sent by the master with the expectation that the Elohim of the master who sent him is going to be with him the whole way. That's confidence. We have to have confidence in the Almighty. And I'll tell you something, as you develop the relationship desirous to gain the favor of the Most High, walking in obedience, hearkening to the instruction that he gives you, being diligent in your walk, in seeking his face, acknowledging him in all your ways, trusting in him, 
coming boldly into his presence, knowing who he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you can look at your life and know within your heart that you're doing everything within your own power and strength to be found pleasing in the presence and the sight of the Almighty, then you can become very specific in your requests, trusting that what you ask, he's going to grant you because of who you are. That's not pride and that's not arrogance. That's confidence in your relationship with the creator because as you examine your life and as you live a life of self-examination, you realize that, hey, if there's an area in my life that is not pleasing with you, Father, show it to me, show it to me, show it to me. I don't want anything to stand between you and I. There's nothing more important to me than our relationship. And so anything within search my heart, search me out thoroughly, show me the things in me that is not pleasing in your sight and help me to get rid of it because I want, I need your favor. I'm not just living by grace, folks. It's not just about grace. It's about favor, divine favor, asking, believing that he's going to grant what you ask. And so Eliezer now gets specific. He says, and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. Now, some may say, well, he's laying a fleece. He's what he's doing, just like Abraham said, how will I know? How will I know? See, how will I know you're going to give me this land? How will I know these things that you're telling me? And now when Abraham see what father says come to pass, he knows. He's not questioning. There's no doubt. There's no double-mindedness. So now, immediately, Jehovah responds to his prayers, and he watches intently every action the girl takes. And we're going to find out later, because at this point, it seems as if Eleazar is with himself with 10 camels. But we're going to find out that he's not traveling alone. So, Verse 15, and it came to pass, notice this, before he had done speaking. I'm telling you something, brothers and sisters, that's the kind of answer you want to your prayers. Before you finish, Father's already operating on your behalf. That's not the kind of response that comes from people who are living by grace. See, we walk by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. Without faith, it's not about grace. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. <laughs> you have to operate in faith. And what builds your faith is when you see the Almighty continually and consistently responding to your request, to your knees, as you are walking and following him and being led by his spirit. And so before he was done speaking, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahar, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Now we've seen these words before, and I'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a moment. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her picture and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Now, if you notice what the verse says, let's see. Verse 13, 
says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw. So what is happening here at this particular time, there are lots of daughters, lots of women coming out. It's not just one. It makes it seem as if there's just one girl, one woman that come out. And so he, he finishes praying and he looks up and he sees Rebecca and possibly among others. And he runs, runs to meet her and said, pray thee. So now he's about to put his prayer to the test. I'm going to say this. And if it's her, she's going to say, notice. And he said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, and here's what you really have to see, because there's so much missing here. Or let me put it this way. If you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. Verse 17 says, and the servant ran to meet her. So if he ran to meet her, he had to leave his place wherever he was. And so, but she noticed that he's got camels. And she hastened and emptied. Here's what she said. And when she was done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they are done drinking. So now her observation is that he's not by himself, but he's got camels. But she also noticed that, well, <laughs> we're going to get there. She offers to give his camels water to drink, but she doesn't offer to give the men that is with him water to drink. The prayer is very specific. It's very specific, little room for error. And so she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well, drew water and drew for all his camels. Now, once do she draw water for his men and we're going to see, we don't know how many men that was with them, but, and the man wondering at her held his peace to wit, whether Jehovah had made his journey prosperous or not. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, if I could impress upon you this one thing from today's teaching, I pray you remember there has been times in my past where I've prayed things out of habit to where as soon as I'm done praying, I don't even remember the things I've prayed. And if I've asked Father something, I can get up from my prayer and go through the day. How do you know when Father answers your prayers? If you don't remember the prayers you pray. It is unfortunate that too many people don't realize Father answered their prayers days ago. Why? Because they wasn't thinking about their prayers when they finished praying. There's been times in my life where, Father, I, you've heard me tell the testimony. I was on my, I had a meeting that had been postponed by my pastor when I was in the Baptist church preparing for my trial sermon. And the day that he finally was going to meet with me, I had an old Volvo. The windshield wipers didn't work. And on this particular day, it was a storm. And I'm in my house, in my apartment, praying, Father, I got to meet with my pastor. He's finally agreed to meet with me. This is the day. There's been several postponements. And I'm asking you to stop the rain. Because, you know, I got this car that the windshield wipers don't work. And I finished praying. And, man, it was like thunder from heaven was so boisterous. And the rain just came down harder. <laughs> I'll never forget this. And I would have prayed again, Father, Father. <laughs> And then I remembered that when the priest was crossing the Jordan before the water parted, they had to put their feet in the water. So I said, oh, man, this is a test. So I ran out of my backyard, my back door, ran to my little carport area, jumped in my car, got wet, drove out my driveway, prayed again, got to the busy street that I had to turn on, head hanging out the window, no windshield wiper. Prayed again, said, now, all right, Father, I'm about to jump out here in this traffic. <laughs> and 
And I was at a point to where, you know, as soon as I turned into the traffic, head out the window, rain, no windshield wiper, the water stopped. I go to the church, have my meeting with the pastor, come back, totally forgot. Totally forgot I'd ask Father to stop the rain. I get in the house, get settled, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. The thunder and the lightning and the rain came crashing down. And it was Father's reminding me that he had answered my prayer. And I'd already forgot that I'd prayed the prayer. As I began to look at my life, my prayer life, I remembered there were many prayers that I, even being in prayer with my mind wandering, not even focusing on my prayers, having to continually pull my mind back. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when you are specific with your prayers and you remember the prayers that you pray, when you are in remembrance of the things you've asked Father to do for you, when he does it, you remember it and you see it and you give praise for it when you see it done. Don't be that person that weeks have gone by and you realize Father answered a prayer you prayed some time ago. All because we didn't remember. So the man now is watching because he's prayed this prayer and he's watching what this young lady do. He doesn't know what family she's from, who her kinfolk is. And so Rebecca met every preliminary criteria Eliezer set. And he shows gratitude for a service by rewarding her with ten and a half shekels of gold by way of a gold nose ring. Now, it says an earring in some of your versions, but we're going to see in verse 44 that he puts the ring in her face or he puts the ring in her nose, not in her ear. And that's a, a half a shekel and then two bracelets of ten shekels, I suspect five shekels each of gold. In verse 22, and it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold. Now that he has shown kindness and appreciation for her service, he proceeds to get to know more about who she is, what family she's from, and if they have room for lodging. So he asked the question, whose daughter are you? Tell me, I pray thee. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And she said unto him, now notice these words. Notice the progression. And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. When he heard Rebekah's answer, he knew who she was because of the message Abraham received back in Genesis 22. Remember, he set us up for this. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 20, and it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham saying, behold, Milcah, she has also borne children unto your brother, Nahor. Huz his firstborn and Buzz his brother and Kimuel, the father of Aram and Chesed and Hazel, and Pildash, and Jitlop, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. And these eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Rumah. She bare also Teba, and Gaham, and Tehash, and Machah. And so here's the thing. Based on this interaction, it appears that even though Abraham had left his country, he was still in communication by messenger reports of what was going on amongst his kinfolk. You see this in verse 20, and it came to pass after these things it was told Abraham. You see how this connection, even though Abraham is left, there's still communication. They knew where he was. They knew who he was. And the word came to him that his family is growing among his brother. Eleazar worshiped and prayed again 
And notice this prayer. And the man bowed down his head when he heard these things and worshiped Jehovah. And he said, bless be Jehovah Elohim of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way Jehovah led me to the house of my master's brother. How did he know? It was his master's brother. I suspect that in chapter 22, when it came to pass that this messenger came and told him, hey, your brother, your brother, that when he heard these names, he knew exactly and his prayers had been answered. And so he worships. You see that? He bowed down his head and worshiped. What father has shown this servant is that, listen, I'm not only Abraham's Elohim, I'm your Elohim. And I'm going to tell you something. This goes to the testimony of Abraham, but it also goes to our testimony too, that if we serve, if we live in such a way that hopefully those around us, our children, our kinfolk, because I suspect that the kinfolk of Abraham, they still served idols. They still worshiped idols. Because we, we're going to see this as we go forward because Jacob is going to go there too. And the idolatry, it abounds in the area where these people come from. But when they come into Abraham's house. And this is the reason why Abraham was chosen, because he was going to teach his household and those born in his house. He was going to teach his seed in his household how to walk in the way of Jehovah. You see. And so here the servant worships. And while he's doing that, the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. As they are going, Eleazar is finding his way to that house, and we'll get into the second part of Genesis 24 next week, Father Willie. At this point, we're going to bring this portion of Genesis 24 to a close as we are now at verse number 28. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.